your life was lacking in life or missing something where it's a state of simply breathing or a clock ticking, that circus can breathe new life. It can give you passion, it can give you focus, it can give you a skill set, it can reinvigorate you, and the path that you decide to take it is yours, and you have that choice and power. It embodies free will and it embodies spirit. It's just a beautiful art form. Circus did save my life. I'm Lester Alfonso. You're listening to Soundproof on Trent Radio, 92.7 CFFF FM in beautiful Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. Soundproof is creative nonfiction for audio with field recordings, personal journals, musical investigations, and more. Today's episode, Circus Boy. Today I want to share with you a bit about my life that's not audio, it's video. And I am currently in post-production cutting a film called Circus Boy, at least that's the working title. And uh, the short synopsis or the log line is, uh, a gay man finds reconciliation with his mother when he and his husband adopt a boy that he's training for circus school. Um, It's a true story and it's a slice of life. It's one day in the life of these people. Um, And really, I want to make a film about uh, kindness. It's a film really about kindness. Hi, I'm Thomas Vaccaro, and I am a circus coach, a circus performer, an artist, a husband, a father, a friend, and a mess. (laughs) And I am happy. I want to, I want to know everything about myself and then find out all the stuff I don't even know yet. And I want to make a circus school where everybody can find that one moment where they feel like their entire soul is on display and they bow before an audience who utterly and completely appreciates them and feel that joy of acceptance. For me, uh, as a circus artist, the best state to be in is a state of flow, of an unthinking naturality that occurs when 
Usually there's music playing and the movement of the body is purely intuitive. And sometimes you learn a lot of new things uh, by letting go. The sear wheel, when I saw it for the very first time, I could see the performer in that state that I love to be in. And because of the complicated patterns and movements that the performer would make, it was very easy to tell that it was something that I had to try. But the difference between fire dancing and sear wheel is that the amount of practice that goes into sear wheel is infinitely higher and the potential for injury is greater. So it has been a slower process and there have been times where I've allowed myself to slip into the flow state with sear wheel, but it's a bit more difficult than one would actually expect. But I never feel more powerful or more confident or more aware of the world around me than when I'm moving in tandem and harmony with that wheel. Wednesday, I need to find my creativity. I know it's in a house somewhere in middle America. There's a front lawn. The house is painted white. There's a veranda, and I zoom straight upstairs, wooden stairs, through the hallway, wooden chairs, and into a bedroom, wooden bedposts, and under the bed, a hard decorated cardboard box flips open to reveal a small replica of Jeff Koons' diamond green. It's on a shelf now. It's in a girl's bedroom. Lace curtains, comfy rugs, paper tigers. It's calm and quiet around here. There's no one around, just the smell of cooking. I'm in the library with the diamond, comfortable leather chairs and couches, the slight smell of books like stale thoughts. I want to commit to you, I say to the diamond. I want to get closer and nurture our relationship. The green diamond stares back, unchanged, but somehow I feel a love emanate from it. I say, what can I do for you? How can I service you? The answer is in the film, The Price of Everything, when they talked about Jeff Koons, the financier artist, the perfection of the cell, the pitch, and the show. 
Hard work is what I need from you, says the diamond. Hard work. I like driving. I like driving a lot because it calms me down. And I really need to be calm today because my mom is meeting my son for the first time, which is weird because he's not my biological son, but he's my son in my heart. So it's almost like part of me reflects from him to her and how well I do and how well he does. And I hope that she really likes what she sees because he's not done. He's still a work in progress, but aren't we all? So I'm sure she'll like him. I'm sure she'll like him. There are some things that I had blamed her for that I didn't really know I blamed her for. I feel like I shouldn't have gotten involved when my parents were splitting up and whatever was going on was going on between them. But for some of the things that occurred during this time, um, my opinion of my mom fell a bit because I saw her do something that she had taught to her children was not proper to do. And so I saw her as a hypocrite. And then in the end, I couldn't forgive myself for it for a long time because I never forgave my mom. So I forgave her and it helped me to move on as well because whatever she was going through, we're all human and we all deserve forgiveness. Before long, Tom's mom expressed her worries. Well, I worry about you. You have no legal right to this person, and he's not, even though you are responsible, he's not your responsibility. And you, you, I worry about crossing lines, you know, with his mom. I don't know his mom. And I'm looking forward to meeting her so to get to see how she feels about you raising Ethan. I think you'll really like her. Okay. Well, I kind of worry, like, why, why does she allow him to stay if he's, if you're, if, I don't, I just don't get that, well, I guess. Well, I'm pretty sure you could ask her yourself. Well, I, I, don't I think I can tell you why, because she talked to me. I'll, I'll tell you this because this is how I remember it, but there was one time when Ethan and I were first starting to train together, and uh, 
he didn't show up, but she did. And she talked to me a lot about him. And he was going through a lot of problems. And she had said that, can you please tell my son that you're not going to hate him if he doesn't show up? Because I think he was afraid that I was going to hate him if he didn't go. And I had said, oh no, I'd never, never, never. There was this moment, mom, where she looked at me right in the eyes. So she had me like right in her gaze. And she said, you really love him, don't you? And I couldn't lie. And it felt like such a, an awkward thing to admit because I didn't really know her very well at the time. Uh-huh. But I said, yes, I do. And it was, I'll never be able to explain it when I first saw him or when I met him and I just knew something was really different about him or that he was important or some type of future. But I saw like a whole lifetime just kind of flash before my eyes with him. And I just was like, this kid is amazing and I love him and he needs me. And she asked me that. She asked me point blank, almost like when the first day I met her, she said, you really love him, don't you? And she wasn't in any way like trying to, and I told her the truth. I said, yes, I do. And she said, he really loves you too. And yeah. And how does Mike feel about about that? How about him being there and staying there? And Mike loves him. Mike loves him to death. Mike is uh, my husband for almost 12 years now. We got married on February 29th, 2008. So we've only had two anniversaries. I think that myself and Michael settled into a equilibrium of our pattern of behavior uh, before Ethan came into our lives of learning how to work around each other cohesively in the apartment and in our relationship. When Ethan came into our lives, uh, a lot of my own behaviors as well as Michael's became apparent as perhaps not the best parenting examples. So it inspired myself and Michael as well to examine how we conduct ourselves as people and how we treat each other and to constantly look for ways to improve and grow more harmoniously. And it's a lot like falling in love all over again. The following clip is from footage shot for the film Circus Boy. Um, I wanted to let you know how important Tom is to me. Um, he really is quite special and I found a kindred spirit in him. Um, we share one thing in common. We work out our problems through theater and circus. Oh. So, <laughs> let me take you to your seat and you're gonna enjoy, okay? okay? All right, thank you. So we're gonna go follow me. Okay. I'm gonna bring you right to this seat over here. Yeah. I'm gonna put you in nine because it the is- The title of the piece 
is called Parallels. It was conceptualized by myself from a training session with Ethan, where he was teaching me how to do a back tuck or a backflip, since he has uh, a wonderful gymnastics background. And for myself, this was a move that I never would have tried or was afraid to try because I work in a lot of other areas and I thought it was not something I needed to explore. I was good enough or I could settle for what I was. But then here's this 12-year-old kid who I'm suddenly willing to do a backflip for even though it terrified me more than anything else. And it's sort of a testament to how with him in his life or him in my life that I am willing to become the best possible person that I can. I'm willing to do anything if it helps him to grow and to be a better person. And that's where I found the difference in many students was I do try my best for all of them, but uh, it's not just teaching the skills and making them the best, it's trying to be the best for them as well so that the legacy you leave behind is better than you ever were. And for me, that piece exemplified that sort of meaning or the passage of time from uh, one teacher to the next or one master to an apprentice. And it will morph and change over time because it was set on a bunch of backdrops of different versions and those versions will keep getting pushed back as a more live version is updated. So next time I'll land the backflip or maybe it'll be Ethan doing a double back, something he's afraid to do. It's kind of a time capsule piece of how we're gonna grow and get older. And I'm sure it'll change just like we're gonna change. So I think it's a good bookmark. Yeah, I, today was the first time that I had heard the premise for um, for the piece, for the movie, for um, the story of what is your life and with, you know, this segment of your life anyways, um, as best as it can capture it. And I, it's, what's funny enough is as you were talking, I think what struck me more than I thought um, is I actually, I'm pregnant. I'm about, I'm almost six months pregnant, close to, with a son. Um, and uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. I was I was thinking while you were talking, like, I, I don't know. I've never met Ethan. I've only ever met you. But I was just thinking of how, how lucky he is to have somebody who would encourage him in such a way. Like, even in the way that you're approaching parenting and yourself and how you described yourself and what you do and how you're, you know, how you want to bring things out of him through yourself as well and, um, you know, you're literally willing to bend over backwards for him. So <laughs> you've done that now. And um, I think I just, I have a, I have a really, a really great dad as well. And it just, it, it makes me emotional actually to think about you as a parent and um, sort of what you're, I think it just, it hits me at such a, a unique part of my life as well. Um, this is my first child. So 
I think it's really nice to have inspirational parents to draw off of. Circus is amazing. I, wow. Just, I've had such small little, um, you know, glimpses of Circus. I've mostly watched Circus. I had a roommate who, uh, Circus saved her life as well, quite honestly. Um, and that has been, she had, she always had, even in rental spaces, she would have like, um, we would find a good beam uh, inside the house and have like a good space for her to do. Um, she was doing a lot of aerial silks and a lot of um, aerial uh, hoops. So if we had like an outdoor tree as well, but um, yeah, it was, oh, just amazing. And to see her work through some of her, her traumas, some of the things that she had gone through with circus and movement was just incredible because I lived with her for a number of years and I think those were the times when I really saw her transform as a person like her performance transformed but so did she as a person so I think it's just it's just fantastic I think that for a long time I had held not a grudge but a lack of forgiveness towards my father for uh not being what I needed when I came out. And if there's something that I've learned recently, it's that we are the trauma that our parents give to us and it carries on inside of us. And I'm very lucky that I have a dad who is now the best dad he possibly can be. And I know that his decisions at the time were coming from a place of parenting and love if there's something that I've learned from uh, being a new parent it's that I'm always trying my best and sometimes my intentions are misunderstood or I'll hurt Ethan unintentionally when I'm just trying to do the best I can for him and seeing it through that perspective has really helped me understand my dad better and helped me realize that he always did have the best intentions and he loved me completely and absolutely even then and I'm so lucky to have him as a dad because I talk to him about Ethan and no one else gets it and no one else really can understand. You learn so much from watching your parents uh, walk through potentially difficult situations and including I mean I wonder how like if Ethan has been in a position to see you and your husband in a place where people don't understand your relationship with your son and your relationship as a family and how he's felt about that and how he's navigated it. Um, I was sort of thinking like that. He's obviously got fantastic role models. I don't know your husband, but just even from this, he's, he'll be, no matter what the difficulty or, you know, hurdle, he'll be able to overcome it for sure. But I wonder, has he ever said anything to you about, like, other people's reactions or... He likes to point out when people assume that we're just parents. Or um, he likes when he says, that guy thinks I'm your son. <laughs> or he'll, he likes when people make that assumption or assume that we're a family. And uh, he's never said anything negative about it or 
Nothing that's atypical of a teenager. Right. Like if I have to drop something off at school for him, he's embarrassed, but he's embarrassed I mean, for all three other yes. parents as well. So <laughs> it seems normal. Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah. He's well supported for sure. And yeah, I'm, I mean, how old was he when you adopted him? Well, we met him when he was 12. He didn't really start living with us until this past year. What I want for him in the future is to look at every possible situation like it's something that he can spin into gold. I want him to be able to turn anything out of nothing. I want him to be able to think on his toes. I want him to be able to make anybody who he works with as happy as they can. But most importantly, I just want him to be a champion person. I want him to be somebody who is happy beyond anything else. If he is successful in his eyes, then that's all the success he'll ever need. We will hear from Ethan in the next installment. If you like what we do and you'd like to support this project, please consider sharing this podcast widely. Hi, I'm Ethan. Uh, You're listening to Soundproof on Trent Radio, 92.7 FM. Produced and edited by Lester Alfonso, with help from co-producer Carly Van Spronson. Special thanks to audio engineer Michael Phillips for mastering this episode. He offers major label quality music production, mixing, recording, audio editing, and just about anything you can think of in the world of audio engineering. Go to www.soundsgoodmikey.com for more details. Thanks to all the staff and volunteers at Trent Radio 92.7 CFFFM in beautiful Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. Follow the podcast on iTunes, and for complete credits, check the episode notes or just go to lesteralfonso.com soundproof. Thanks for listening.
the beautiful Jeff Coons. And we're going to open the bidding here at $40 million. At $40 million, $42 million. At $42 million, $45 is bid. At $45 million. At $45 million, $48 million. $50 million. $50 million, $55 million is bid. $57 million. Of course, $58 million. $60 million is bid. $72 million. It was a no and a yes. I like that. $72 million. $73 million. $74 million. $75 million. 77 million. Yours it is, sir. 78 million. 80. Here it is. At 80 million dollars. The gentleman has it here. At 80 million. You have it, sir. 80 million dollars. <laughs>